This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. I was reading something and it, it just struck me. You know, New Church Live is very striking to me as a pastor in a lot of ways because of the things that people do. And this, this one author had this phrase, and I'm sort of paraphrasing it here to fit into our church paradigm. And he said, you know, we need to create churches that are shaped like hope. Shaped like hope. Does that sound good? You know, shaped like hope. And maybe there's pieces and parts where that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create a church that is shaped like hope, and we're joining temples and synagogues and nonprofits and other groups that are trying to do the exact same thing. And that is indeed beautiful. What honor and privilege that is. And what I want to talk about today is we're, we're going to f- finish up, finish up, we're going to go through the next chapter of the book of James, and we're going to talk about some of that hope, and we're going to talk a lot about peace and, and how is it that we find peace. Because the book of James, a fascinating book, a fascinating book of the Bible, it's written by Jesus' brother. Uh, it's written only about 18 to 20 years after Christ had, had died and was resurrected. And so this is somebody who really knew him, and this is him writing to a church. It's, 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 it's a letter where he talks about a lot of the struggles of church and a lot of the struggles of humanity, as well as the promise of it all, the hope. So what I want to do is, is I want to talk about stars for a little bit, and that idea that, that we can talk about stars, and then we have to make sure that we take the time to live into it all, to live into what this message is saying. To help us do that, I want to start with this beautiful poem by Walt Whitman. When I heard the learned astronomer, when the roofs, when the proofs, the figures were arranged in columns before me, when I was shown the charts and diagrams to add, divide, and measure them, when I sitting heard the astronomer where he lectured with much applause in the lecture room, how soon unaccountable I became, tired and sick, till rising and gliding out, I wandered off by myself in the mystical moist night air and from time to time looked up, and I'm going to have you say the S word there at the end, looked up in perfect silence at the perfect silence at the stars. This is a beautiful poem about, about a sky and, the, and going out and, and we, we talk about it and then we move on and we move on to a picture. We move on to a picture of what a night sky can actually look like. The beauty of the stars. Just look at that for a moment. Can you, can you see the perfect silence there? The perfect silence of the stars. And I think that's sort of the spirit where we have to look at James. Like, that's what he's wanting people to understand is that, is that perfect silence, that it actually is God's presence. It's about how do we keep God's vision for the future intact? How do we keep it intact? How do we move out of sort of that headspace of being in the lecture hall into that place where we really get the experience of God's presence here among us. And remember, God came to earth saying, I am Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us, for us, on our side. Very striking, striking language there. And what gets in the way is us. You know, God's always the same, always present, but we tend to trip ourselves up. And that's what James talks a lot about, like where we trip ourselves up. 
Last week we looked at this. I said there are things where we just realize that all we are is we're fighting about this stuff and we're pushing out. I mean, excuse me, pushing at each other constantly. Fighting about. I'm going to see who remembers really well. Ready? Well, we need to remember, please say it loud so Delaware can hear us. We need to remember what we are actually fighting for. Can we all say for? For. What we're all fighting for. This is what we're fighting about. And then there's the movement into what we're fighting for. And that's how you kind of flip it. That's how you kind of make this transition. And it's interesting when you read through James, he keeps coming back. You know, he makes the point, but then he keeps coming back to it. And I think that's because we need reminded over and over again about how hard it is to avoid this. So I want you to be honest. All right, you get extra honesty points as we take a look at this question. What kind of arguments do you most enjoy? Or you could answer it, who do you most enjoy arguing with? Like as soon as you see this person, you're like, bring it on. For me, my father-in-law never watches New Church Live. It's him. As soon as I see my father-in-law, I, I, we, we have very spirited, love each other, but we have very spirited arguments. Is there somebody like that for you that you particularly enjoy, and I'm putting it in quotes because maybe you shouldn't enjoy it, I don't know. You know, is there somebody in particular you enjoy arguing with or there's a particular topic that you really enjoy arguing about? You can just feel yourself like the energy get up. All right? So please share that for our online audience. You can text that into me. Our num- my number's going to be up. You know, it's, it's, it's funny at New Church Live. You know, one of these days, I think I should just start a service by saying text stuff into me and then I'll preach off of it. Because you folks always have such, you always, always have such good, uh, good things. Uh, I like to discuss the unknowns. I enjoy bantering with my brother. This is a good one. Myself. Uh, for me, it's about technology and what comes next. Racial issues. That's a big one in our culture today. Arguing football games. Cowboy fans versus the Eagles. See, that's the advantage of being a Steelers fan. There's no argument. Um, <laughs> Arguing with them in real life or in my head. Laugh out loud, I do both. Boy, I get that one. Fights where I get to feel righteous. My old boss, I get that. Kendall just emailed that. Um, (laughs) Just kidding, it wasn't Kendall. Uh, Tattoos, that's a good one. Tattoos. Uh, Enjoying fighting uh, about the necessity of athletics in life. Football. Uh, Life and death arguments with drug addicts. That's a very serious one. Um... (laughs) This is really good. You must be, whoever this is, is connected. I like to argue with Donald Trump. So, you know, we all have those arguments, and I, I think it can sort of be like a moth to the flame, right? And it's, it's so like, ah, but I have to argue that. I have to have this debate. I don't need to worry about what we're fighting for. I, I, can, I can do that for a bit, but then I'm going to tend to roll it back to this because there's a part of me, like a moth to flame, that's, that, that believes that somehow, oh, here we go. Now I can actually make my point. And I want you to think of that and hear that in terms of, of James's uh, perspective. And, and again, folks, I want to be clear. Like, you have to be able to sit in the history of these, of these people who were hearing this letter. So they're listening to this letter. He may have read it or, or, or just have said it and somebody copied it. We really don't know. But, but you think of these people, and these people are trying to figure out this new way to live. Again, Christianity 
was first called the way. We've said that a bunch, but it's really important. It was called the way. It was about following. Christ never said, worship me. He constantly said, follow me. In other words, follow this path of life because it'll bring us into your fullest humanity. And, and you, you can sort of sense underneath it that they're obviously as a community struggling, just like our world is struggling today. And, and, he's, and he does two things. He, he offers a lot of yeses. And then he says, and these are the sacred no's. These are the things to be very aware of. And it's interesting looking at the language that he uses. So here, if you're following along, this is from James 4, verses 1 through 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire, the battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Interesting, right? And I want you guys to notice, what's the pronoun he uses a lot there? You. It's interesting, right? He's not saying you get into this because, yeah, everyone else is the bad guy and you're really good. He goes, no, it's not about you. These arguments you're having. And again, I imagine, James, these people, and I said this last week, but I think it's really important. Think about it. This is Christ's brother. These people would have come to him expecting him to sort of weigh and measure and to do the Colosseum bit, thumbs up or thumbs down. Life or death. Just a, just a quick decision, good and bad, a binary. He doesn't do that. Now let's take a look at another biblical translation. It's a more contemporary language that gets this across. I'm going to have you say the last two words really loud. Where do you think all these appalling words and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come out because you want your own way. Because you want your own way. All of us guilty of being toddlers at least once a week, raise their hand. And fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. And I think we can look at that literally or figuratively. Like literally, sometimes that does end up in killing people. But a lot of the time it ends up in in this kind of killing. Like, well, you know, they have all that because they were just born with it. Or they just, they just had a much easier life than I did. That's why they have all that stuff. See, that's, that's killing somebody very subtly, but it's a form of killing. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. That's powerful. And we need to be able to look at that stuff and go, oh, that's, that's significant. That's significant to think, where are we doing those things? And, and, and not put the blame out there, but really start to look in the mirror at ourselves and start to figure out what the change looks like there. See, this is important, folks. This is not just, I, I, I say it, and I'm going to keep on saying it until, until I retire. <laughs> salvation is not a personal salvation game. Salvation is not about personal salvation. It's not just, you know, James isn't saying this just so these people could go home and sort of have less noise in their brain, even though that is part of it. He's saying this so that they could learn, as we all need to, so that they could learn to be in community. And learning to be in community is really hard, especially when you live in a nation like ours that's beautiful and based on individualism, which has a lot of incredible, credible gifts to it. But then it also has a dark side. Sometimes that makes it very disproportionately hard to even talk about living sacrificially in community. 
to really give ourselves over to the greater good. And that's what I think he's trying to continually hone at. He's saying, this stuff has to get out of the way so that you can start to look into the greater good. See, look at this idea, folks, on this next slide. What do we want to do? Do we want to conquer the world or do we want to serve the world? Yeah. But you think about it. We just, well, relatively recently, we went through graduation season, you know, and everybody's like, oh, this generation, you can conquer the world. Just imagine somebody coming out. You can serve the world. Will we say that? I wouldn't write that on a card. Conquer the world, yes. Serve the world, it sounds sort of corny. But that's exactly what we're supposed to start to think about. Now, as the band comes out, as the band comes out, I want you to start to think, yeah, if, 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 if we're going to turn, what, what might that actual turning start to look like? What might it actually become? How can we start to create this different kinds of hope where we, where we start to see the peace of the stars, where we start to feel that deep quiet in our lives, that actual connectedness? And how is it that we can get there? And we're going to look at how we can change perspectives, how we can change perspectives in a way that actually allow us to enjoy that perfect silence of the stars. I love that idea of like, like trusting our cape and, and, you know, he didn't know he could fly and so he did. And I think that's, you know, that's sort of where this is calling us to. Like this piece where we can look at this stuff and we go, that's impossible to live that way. That's impossible to live outside of a world of, of argument and contention. And, and, and I think, no, I think it is possible. I think that, 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 that if, if we follow through this, this and we look at this and we work with this and we understand that Christianity is, a, is about creating community, a sacrificial community, all in it together for the greater good. And again, we join so many other groups, synagogues, all that stuff. We join all kinds of groups in doing that. That's where the world does start to change in, in much quieter ways than maybe we imagine. And it is, of course, paradoxical because, again, we have to get that this is the problem. You know, this for our online audience. Dear God, I have a problem. It's me. You know, that, that's part of it. That's part of it as well. But what I'm going to ask you to think about is, and sort of color this, I'm going to come at this from a number of different angles, is three, three things you might want to consider in terms of moving into this space that we're talking about. And that's perspective, quiet, and kindness. Can we say those three together? Perspective, kindness, and quiet. Now, the first with perspective, and this is a beautiful part of James, you know, uh, what he says. He offers this little piece of perspective. You, I'm going to have you say M really loud. You are missed. You are missed. It appears for a little while and then vanishes. This instant perspective. I've said this before. Uh, We have some first timers here today. This is one I would take a note on. You ready? All your cherished opinions die with you. When you're gone, they're gone. All your opinions, all my opinions, they die with me. Just a mist. Just a mist here for a brief bit. Now, it's easy again in our culture to say, well, mist, like, 
that mean I'm nothing? No, 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 no. You're missed. See, what we miss, with two S's, what we miss is this. This line, you are missed, that appears for a little while and vanishes. What was the geography like? What is the geography like in the Middle East? Dry. It's also a whole lot of, begins with D, ends with desert. A lot of desert. So was mist a bad thing? No. No, actually, mist would have been part of, of, of a life-giving part of, of, of culture. And you know, that idea of you're a mist. Yes, you're a mist. Yes, you're just here for a bit. And for these people, they would have experienced that as a, as a morning dew, a morning mist. And, and just imagine you're in a desert culture, how refreshing that would feel. And it doesn't last. We're just here for a short, short period of time. The second part is quiet, is quiet. And I love this phrase. We have to learn to offer a quiet yes to God. We're going to come back to that one a little bit more next week too. Yes to God is not a shouted yes. I mean, there are times to shout it, like the way we're going to be singing this last song, hint, hint. Um, You know, yeah, there's times to shout it, but most of the time it's a quiet yes. When we, when we see ourselves instead, you know, we've been doing this and we've been, been thinking about what we're for and then we slowly feel it turning back to what we're fighting about. Imagine just at that moment you think, you know what, I'm just going to say a quiet yes to God. In myself, just a quiet yes. Just allow his spirit to just be there. Just, just allow that spirit to be there. Folks, just again, think of the night sky, you know, think of the night sky. There is something we know there, which gets us into the last one, the last slide here about kindness. When we go out into that quiet yes to God under the night sky and we we refuse to be turned back, we can start to experience kindness in a new way. And look at these great, great pointers about about kindness and how it needs to be central. These are parts from New Church Theology. If we're really going to be guided by constant kindness, we don't draw attention to the evil in others. And we see that in James's statement, right? He consistently was saying like, look, this is about you. This is not about them. We focus on everything that is good and true. We focus on, on what's best in this situation. And lastly, we put a good interpretation on others' deficiencies. That kind of approach, that kind of, of, of crafting is what will start to change it. And it's all reliant on, again, that quiet yes to God. Now, what I want to do is, is I want to move over here and sort of give you some misting, uh, some spritzing exercises so we can kind of anchor this in the way it might look. So in the world, I think a lot of the time, probably when we come to others, at least for me, I, I want to break out the Lysol. Right? Do you guys notice on this? This kills 99.9% of germs. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I could say all kinds of things right now. I'm not going to. And, and so what we do is we kind of line up, you know, and we have at it. Disinfecting all around. I was going to squirt somebody in the audience, but yeah, you don't need disinfected. 
Uh, you know, it's, like, it's real tempting, right? We do that, and that's kind of like those arguments. You know, yeah, they, they need it over there, and they need it over there, and that group needs it over there. Phew, you need it, and they need it, and they need it, and we're, you know, we're, we're squirting this all over the place. How close do you want to come to somebody who's armed with Lysol? Do you want to get that close? Not really. You know, it's, it's just not good. It's just not good. And for some people, they really think this is their mission, in the world, in the world. Mm. But there's another piece, another thing. The M word again. James said, look, you have to realize you are just, say it real loud for me, you are just missed, all right? Can you see that on the camera? All right, it's missed, okay? And that may seem like not a big deal, but it's sure a big deal over here. Which would you rather be squirted by? Yeah, missed. So don't think of missed as a small thing. Think about that relationship that you're really struggling with. Like, you know, how can I just, just be missed around it? Not like missed around it, <laughs> but just like, just missed. Do you folks see where that's the quiet yes to God? Do you see where that's the perfect silence of the stars? It's not a big deal. It doesn't draw a lot of attention to itself. It just kind of makes the vegetables look fresher. It changes things somehow. And I think that's what we can really work at becoming. That kind of mess, that kind of quiet yes. See, I think there's two ways of approaching other people, especially with religious topics, but all over the world. Like, like we tend to think it's all about head to head. Like, I'm going to go head to head with you on that. Folks, I feel like we could say this all the time. When was the last time you argued someone into something? You know, for those of you who are married, when was the last knock down, drag them out argument you had with your spouse? And they went halfway through like, honey, you're right. <laughs> Has that ever happened? No, if, it, if anybody says it has, you are lying. We, we think head-to-head's the way to go. It, it doesn't work. Try it. Try it for 50 years. It won't work because I'm 50. But there's a different way. Hand to heart to head. Hand to heart to head. So I reach out in some loving kind way, some kind act of service. Not about me, but just some kind act of service. And that will touch someone else's heart and will change how they see the world. And then that whole cycle comes back down around through. Hey, folks, I think of this example. We have a wonderful team, and we need to give them a round of applause. Wonderful team going down to Ronald McDonald House today. Now imagine you went down there and here are families going through a lot of real stress and struggles and you went down there and you were sure your job was to fix these people. Break out the Lysol. Tell them how they should be grieving. Tell them what they should be doing medically. Tell them this, tell them that, tell them the other thing. How well would that work? It would work horribly. But can you be missed? Yes or no? Yeah, you can be missed down there. 
Just that quiet ministry of presence, that quiet sitting with, that quiet part of just perspective. That second piece of that quiet yes to God, that third piece of kindness. And that will again keep on rotating this out into life-giving ways. I was thinking this morning, and I, I just one thing that came to me, and I wanted to share this, is, is an unexpected act of kindness will do more than a well-rehearsed point. We'll read that again. An unexpected act of kindness will do more than a well-rehearsed point. And I really do believe that's true. I want to now show you an example of somebody who said a very quiet yes to God. Now, this, this quiet yes to God they offer comes under tragic circumstances. As a teacher in New York City, uh, he had a daughter, then him and his wife had twins and ended up losing both of those children. And out of that real heartbreak, he was able to have this quiet yes to God. I don't even know whether the guy's religious, but I know he's doing a quiet yes to God. You just, you just, you just see that. And it's a misting. It's a misting that grows. And the turning point was just, in his life was just a simple observation of daffodils. So I want you to take a look at this, take a look at how his perspective is, take a look at how he sees quiet and, and, and this, this very quiet yes to the world and how it, how it just can really feed into this incredible kindness and a life well lived. Take a look at this video. It could have beat me down. It could have buried me. But I saw it as the possibility of a new beginning. No one should know the pain that my wife and my daughter and I have gone through. We went from twins to one to our son who passed away after birth. At that time, I had been working in middle schools for many years across the Bronx, specializing in special ed services. I needed to move closer to home and wound up becoming a teacher at the most dysfunctional high school in the Bronx. A lot of violence, had like a 17% graduation rate. Welcome to community with thousands of people per building and no supermarket. Where your average grocery store is what, 20 feet by 20 feet, bulletproof, and everything in there is what I call a mess a manufactured edible synthetic substance. I've lived a thousand lives on these streets, but the realities of the way this community is marketed to and what comes in and what comes out is appalling. Then one day, someone sent me a box of daffodil bulbs. I hid them behind a radiator in a classroom because I was afraid kids were gonna throw them at each other. And lo and behold, someone looked behind the radio and there were hundreds and hundreds of flowers. It seemed like there was something behind this that could be tapped into. And Green Bronze Machine was born. We went from gardening and landscape to food production, to indoor food production, to jobs. Every successive year after that, he had his students do some kind of garden or plant-oriented work. In our world, it's really about growing citizens. It's really about changing the kids, and we're doing it through growing. We want to change things. Not only the world, but I think it can change people's minds and make them see differently than what they see now. You know, I'm not a green guy by any stretch of the imagination. 
But when we looked at the environmental issues pressing our children, we felt that we had to do something to green ourselves and green our lives. But in this community, most importantly, I see a sense of grit, of determination, of resilience and hope that needs to be fostered and nourished and fed. Exposing kids to healthy food, to growing food, to predicting it, to analyzing it, to understanding it, getting involved with it, they need it most right here in school, and be able to do it with systems that enable them to take it home to their parents, that's awesome. Single biggest prognosticator for a child's success in life is having access to one kind, caring adult. And I am going to be that kind, caring adult. So, question for our audience. Did that guy trust his cape? <laughs> he trusted his cape. And it's interesting, right? Like, even out of those very hard times, something beautiful was born. And I, I think that so much, these overarching message when you read through the New Testament after, after Christ has died, you know, that, be, yeah, this is hard, but there is something beautiful that we can continue to build up and out of it. Something just amazing to where we, we really understand the perfect silence of the stars. Folks, think of it this way. You go outside, you stand, you stand under a beautiful, beautiful starry night. Think of all you know at that moment without being told a thing. Think of all you know at that moment without being told a thing. Beautiful, right? These pieces are ways that we can choose to live, ways that we can choose to, to, to create this. You know, a, a church, as I said before, a church shaped like hope. Because when churches can do that and they can move away from divisions and they can move towards this kind of unity of purpose, beautiful things can start to happen, flower, and take root. So your task this week, real simple. First off tonight, go out and look up at a star. <laughs> Think about what you hope for. And then live this week with this simple thing. I don't need to be right at all this week. I don't need to be right. Not one time. I don't need to be right. I need to be loving. Maybe you want to keep a little spritzer bottle in your car so you can squirt yourself before going to work. I don't know. Find a way to be that missed of God this week. Now, please remember, folks, join us for a small group if you want to talk about this more after church. If there's something here that moved you and you, you want to have the conversation, join Kendall. Have a conversation like that. Join us next week. Bring, bring a friend, bring families. We really draw this to a close. I think this is really important stuff. I mean, I, I feel like every week in church is really important. And, and there's something about the book of James that's got magic to it. And I hope you can join us again next week as we pull this all together. Because we're trying to form that bridge. We're trying to be bridge builders. 
bridge builders in a world that, that, that has many, many challenges and heartbreak and that, that bridge, can, can we start to build that bridge and be part of these many, this chorus of voices of hope that's trying to move us into God's intended future as best and imperfectly as we can. That's where we're trying to go. So because the last song is really gonna be great and deeply moving to you, we're gonna do as we sometimes do. I'm gonna ask you to stand up. We're gonna be praying standing up. And then you're welcome to sing this song with the band. You'll love this last song. Please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, allow us to continue to consider moving away from what we're fighting about, moving towards understanding what we're fighting for. And Lord, when we get tempted to turn back, Lord, give us the perspective. Give us the kindness. Give us a heart that is filled with a quiet yes to you and your presence. A beautiful miss, Lord. We know that we are just here for such a short period of time. But allow us even in that time to be a beautiful, wonderful mist out there into the world. A coolness, a refreshing, an enlivening, not for ourselves, but done in the spirit of your name, for your greater world, for your greater good. In that very name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.